0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Dorothy remembered what Dr. Shedhorn had said about scorecards and echoes— How each generation is built upon the genetic ruins of the past, that our lives are merely biological waypoints. We're not individual flowers, annuals that bloom and then die. We're perennials. A part of us comes back each new season, carrying a bit of the genus of the previous florette. Jamie Ford, The Many Daughters of Afong Moy I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week we're hosting another new release roundup with retail floor manager Olivia Schaefer. The From the Front Porch Book Club meets this month. Earlier this year, we added new levels of support over on Patreon, and for $20 a month, you'll become a book club companion. This Patreon level includes all the benefits of our $5 tier, plus access to our quarterly, soon-to-be bimonthly book club. I'm hosting our conversation in August about C.J. Hauser's essay collection, The Crane Wife. And in September, Olivia will be hosting a conversation about Margarita Montemore's Acts of Violet. Both books were selections in our shelf subscription program and can be found in our online store at bookshelfthomasville.com. Become a $20 Patreon supporter to join both book club conversations. We would love to have you. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. Hi, Olivia.
1: Hey. How are we? We're great. Everything's going really well.
0: We're great. Remember, I am getting flashbacks. I don't know if, if you are too. This month has made me feel like, oh, remember the pandemic and how stressful that was? Remember
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Remember when we would record Newsday Tuesday episodes and just be shells of ourselves?
1: <laughs> well, and I hate to tell you, but I'm pretty sure we're still in a pandemic. <laughs> Oh, no.
0: We definitely are. I I went to the movies last night. Like, that was my... I think Erin posted on Instagram that she coped by, like, cooking her family dinner. And I coped by sending myself to the movies with Ashley. And I walked into the movie theater and I was like, ooh, this is a lot of people. Because it turns out in Tallahassee, they do something called $5 Tuesdays. And, man, I put a mask on so fast. I was like, uh, this was not... What I was anticipating, I took it off in the theater, but I thought, oh, I guess we're still doing this. I guess, I guess, I guess we still could get sick.
1: Can I give you my hot take on movie theaters?
0: <laughs> yes. You and I, this would not shock me if this is a place where Annie and Olivia diverge. Uh, I am very romantic about my ideas about movie theaters, but please tell me yours.
1: I hate to, to possibly burst any bubbles but we went to go see where the crawdads sing yes and that was the first time I had been in a movie theater since cats came out (laughs) and I don't know what year that was
0: (laughs) I think it was 2019 but could have been 2018 I don't know
1: I maybe should not have admitted the name of (laughs) everything like on this podcast, but that's okay and I'm sitting there thinking like wow as an introvert there is no appeal to this for me. Sitting in a dark room with a bunch of strangers watching a movie. Like, especially when, like, crawdads where, like, you, you have the possibility of getting emotional if you wanted to. And oh, I sure. And I was just like, this is? No. I don't <laughs> want to do this. <laughs> it was a great movie. But, like, I learned that I don't think I need to go to movie theaters
0: <laughs> The movie theater experience is not for you. I I would love, I need Jordan to analyze this because I am highly introverted as well. Mm -hmm. I love a movie theater experience. Like, I love sitting in a dark theater. I don't love sitting next to people who I don't know. So, like, a full theater is maybe a different situation, but I generally speaking love god i love air conditioning potentially having to wear a sweater <laughs> um i love popcorn i love a coke i love
1: Just laughing
0: with other people
1: all but, things you can do at home <laughs> by laughing with other people
0: <laughs> yeah there is a communal aspect that i do really like which may be surprising for an introvert i'm gonna get jordan to research this i do have questions yeah. because i don't think you're the only introvert that feels this way
1: It's the communal aspect that I am not feeling at all. I don't want to feel emotions with other people.
0: I get that. I am generally now mm, in my older age, I am different, but I am not generally a movie crier. Um, The exception to that was little women in 2019. And thank goodness I was with Ashley Sherlock I wept like a child, <laughs> and like that is very roles reversed. Ashley cries at everything, and I typically cry at nothing. And she looked at me and she was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Clearly not. Cle- <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I am not okay." And I was like, Does this "Still look okay?" Yeah, I was still weeping. That's the thing, right? Normally, a movie has an emotional arc, uh-huh. and then there's like more scenes, and then it ends, so you have time to recover, but I cried the most at the end of Little Women cuz she her book is being published. I could cry just thinking about it. And I just was weeping and the lights went up and I was like, "Ooh, not ready for that." Like I needed to stay I yeah. needed to stay dark during at least a little portion of the credits so that I can like ease back into real life. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's what I like about a movie theater experience is it feel I thought about this last night. It's the only place, aside for me from, like, church, where I don't have my phone on. Like, I am not Annie B. Jump. Jo- like, I just get to be a person at a theater. Nobody's paying attention to me. I get to be anonymous. It is dark. It feels otherworldly. Mm, I'm starting to sound like Nicole Kidman, and I don't know if you... <laughs> I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen, actually, I know you haven't. When you go to AMC <laughs> theaters, when you go to AMC theaters, Nicole Kidman comes on screen and she like introduces you to the movie theater experience and tells you how special and magical it is. And that's what I feel like what? I'm trying
1: to do. I haven't, what? <laughs> Why were? <is> like, <laughs> I was just great, but what? <laughs> I don't know. It really doesn't make any sense. Um, no. Yeah. I think it's also that I am just too aware of the people next to me. Mm. And, and then I'm just like, am I laughing at the right moment? Am I like, have you looked at my face during this scene? And I'm just kind of like, what? <laughs> I'm like,
0: That's true. I'm that is aware of what's
1: happening around me. Yeah. yeah.
0: You can't get lost in it. Yes. Isn't okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I could be, isn't that true of you generally?
1: Like I just. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Like I feel like. <laughs> I feel like even – I think you problem. have said before, you don't really love watching movies in general,
1: right? I don't. I really yeah. don't. They're just everything. The yeah. 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 They're so long. They're so <laughs> well, long. And, <laughs> and honestly, long. I feel they're – even the best of them are so predictable. Like the yes. arcs and how they go, I – yeah. It's hard for me. <laughs> no, actually, it's not hard for me. It's hard for Walt, my husband, who yes. loves movies. <laughs>
0: Yeah. See, and Walt, does Walt like going to the
1: movie theater? I don't know. I'd have to ask him.
0: Please ask him so I can give Jordan the appropriate number of data points. I just feel like. (laughs) Three is all we need. (laughs) I just am like, I would be so curious because Walt and I are similar personalities. Yeah. I love movies. I would love to go to the movie. I love to go to the movies. I'd be curious if he also does or if he is highly introverted and is like, no, that's not for me. I'd rather watch it at home.
1: Well, and now I'm getting extremely self-conscious. Like, what if Walt does love going to the movie theater, but we just avoid it because I hate it? <laughs> that would be true love, Olivia. That's what love would look like.
0: <laughs> Lucky you. Yes, <laughs> <Guess> I won. <laughs> uh well should we talk about books yeah that was a good (laughs) 10-minute
1: conversation on movie theater
0: that's what new release Tuesday used to be you're welcome everyone (laughs) um look the truth is there are a lot of books coming out in August and I did not look at your list but mine are almost all and I tried hard but all of mine except for one I think come out on August 2nd so they are already released when this episode releases
1: yeah a lot of mine come out in the beginning mine are like all in the beginning and then all at the very end.
0: Okay. Yeah, there are a couple at the very end. I wonder if that's because there's a Labor Day holiday situation and if that affects publishing at all. Okay. Well, since we have the same amount, I'll go ahead and dive into my first book, which is A Curious Faith. This is by Laurie Ferguson Wilbert. I have followed Lori on the internet for some time. She is at Lori Wilbert on Instagram and I loved her book, Handle With Care. So Handle With Care was a book that came out in 2020, early 2020, and it was all about, and this is going to sound weird, but I promise it wasn't, it was all about touch and kind of how um, touch and tenderness work. And I, as an Enneagram 5, don't love touch <laughs> or being touched. Uh, and so it was really interesting because she looked at touch as like spiritual care and then also the ways in which touch has been abused. And so it was really interesting. I thought it was a fascinating book. It was also interesting because it came out right before a pandemic. Like I think of the book released in February. And then there was a pandemic where we isolated and quarantined and we didn't touch each other and we didn't hold hands or hug or whatever. And so I weirdly find that book to be super poignant looking back on it. But I think it is a lovely book if you are a religious person, particularly, yes, a Christian person, but it's just an interesting look at spiritual practice. Her new book, A Curious Faith, is being released, I believe, as a paperback. And so it's paperback religious nonfiction. And this is looking at curiosity as a spiritual habit. So... Handle With Care was about touch. A Curious Faith is about curiosity. Um, The older I get, the more I realize what a large role curiosity plays in my own faith, And the questions I ask and how those questions, when I asked them as a teenager, were sometimes frowned upon. And now as an adult, the comfort I find in questions. And so I'm very much looking forward to this book. I love Lori's style of writing. I think it is very accessible um, and very gracious and tender and kind. I'm very looking forward to this. This is a book that I have pre-ordered and I will be reading the week it comes out, I believe. So if you are a spiritually minded person, a religious person, although I do think her books are accessible enough even if those are not interests of yours or even if you are not somebody who practices um, faith regularly. So that is A Curious Faith by Lori Ferguson Wilbert came out on
1: Tuesday. My first book is Wrong Place, Wrong Time. This is out... Wait. <laughs> <laughs> this book came out this week. <laughs> this book came out this week. Thank you. <laughs> I like in my head trying to do dates. It's doing fine. the math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not the kind of math I'm good at. This is Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. It was such a good thriller. I need more people to read this book so we can talk all about it because it had so many great plot twists, like some that I definitely saw coming, but then other ones that like, I literally had to set down the book. So I was like, wait, okay. It starts out with this mom and it's like late at night, maybe like midnight, almost 1.00 AM. And she's waiting up for her teenage son to come home. I told Erin the beginning of this and she, or no, who was I talking to? Uh, Holly. Was, oh, I was like, you were talking to <laughs> me. You, know, <laughs> you also told me this. No, I was talking to Holly and she was like, yes, I've been there. I was like, but <laughs> wait. wait.
0: <for> <laughs> but wait, have you really, Holly? Wait till
1: you hear yeah. this. So the mom watches her son walk off the driveway and this guy steps out from the corner, like this grown man. And she watches her son stab this grown man and ends up killing him. And so the cops come, they take the son to the jail and they're just like, hey, come back in the morning with a lawyer.
0: Hmm. So
1: her and her husband are both very frantic about what's going on, but they go home and they, they figure out somehow how to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And then she wakes up and it's the day before everything has happened. And she remembers what her son did, but no one else, her husband forgot her son forgot. Like they just know that it is the day before what well, they think. It's just that day. She right. knows it's the day before the event. Okay. And so every day she wakes up, it's a day earlier. And, like, it does start skipping back further and further, but she starts to realize that, like, she has to put this together or figure out how to stop it, but, like, retroactively. Yeah. It was so good. I haven't read anything like that before, and I just loved every second. Because at first I was a little bit worried where I was just like, oh, is this going to be super interesting? How how can you really put something together before it actually takes place when no one else knows what's about to happen? Yeah. And then I read this book and it was so good. <laughs> I can't wait. You left
0: this on my desk, I think. And I yeah. I brought it home because the premise sounded so fun. It remi- yeah. I think I told you and Esme, it reminds me of a show I used to love called Early Edition, where the guy got tomorrow's newspaper today and then he oh, would be yeah. responsible for trying to like... Figure out if he could fix anything, but then in fixing things, did he mess other things up? It, it was such a great show, and so this sounds so fun. And I've been looking for a really good suspense thriller, but one that felt original, which I think is hard to do with thrillers, yes. quite frankly. And so, anyway, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to read it so we can talk about it. It was great. Okay, my next one is "Thank You for Listening." This is by Julia Whalen. It comes out. Oh, it came out this week. Julia Whalen is a beloved audiobook narrator. She's also a former actress. I think she was on, gosh, I think a show called Brothers and Sisters many years ago. Anyway, she's an audiobook narrator. She narrates a ton of books. She also is the writer of My Oxford Year. I believe that was her debut novel. I thought My Oxford Year was fine. It was not for me personally. However, I'm intrigued by this because Julia Whalen narrates a lot of audiobooks, including a lot of romantic comedies. She narrates Emily Henry's books, She narrates Linda Holmes' books. And her new book is a rom-com about a former actress turned audiobook narrator. Does that sound familiar? It should. It's literally her life. Uh, So it's a former actress turned audiobook narrator who winds up narrating a romance audiobook with a guy who is also a famous but kind of um, recluse of an audiobook narrator, recluse of an audiobook narrator, where people don't really know who he is. His identity is kind of weird. And so I'm assuming she and this audiobook narrator are going to potentially fall in love, but there will be pitfalls because it's a romantic comedy. Um, but I'm intrigued by this because although I felt ambivalent about my Oxford year, this obviously sounds like she's writing about something she has a lot of experience with. And I remember years and years ago Anne Bogle had on her podcast an audiobook narrator and I thought it was fascinating just the the career trajectory of an audiobook narrator and what that process looks like and so I will be very interested to see I'm gonna try this book because I would love a little bit more insight into the audiobook narration experience and Julia Whalen obviously has that experience and I like and I think you are similar to me in this way where I like a book that kind of dives into a thing like that I can learn more about. And so even though this is a romantic comedy, the fact that the main character is an audiobook narrator, I'm excited to maybe learn more about that. And I think Julia Whalen is the perfect person to write that. So I'm looking forward to this, even though maybe her first book wasn't my favorite thing. So it's Thank You for Listening by Julia Whalen. It's a paperback original, although obviously I think the audiobook would probably be a great experience as well.
1: Does she narrate the audio book? I think she does, which feels really <laughs> meta.
0: <laughs> it feels really meta. Um, I'm just so, I, I don't know. I, I think I might try to listen to this. I got an ARC, but I think I'd rather, it just feels like a book that maybe you should try in audiobook format. Anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, if anyone knows how to write a good audio book, right. it would be a narrator. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. My next book is a middle grade graphic novel which I feel like I don't talk about too many graphic novels on the podcast, but I just really liked this one. This is Invisible by Christina Diaz Gonzalez, and it is out this week. And this is about five kids, and they're all put in the same community service group helping out at the school kitchen, but they're all there for different reasons. And one of the reasons is that the school constantly groups these same five kids together and the five kids don't understand why, because they are all very different kids. They have different interests, different likes, everything. But then they start to realize that they're always grouped together because they are all, if not bilingual, they all speak Spanish. Okay. And so it's, you know, you got that going on in there. But the kids together find that there is this new mother who like meets at the playground just right outside the schoolyard. And she's just recently gotten evicted from her home. And so they start sneaking her food from the cafeteria. And like, Mm -hmm. at first it causes some trouble, but then they have, you know, that the grumpy cafeteria lunch lady turned into like the warm hearted woman who like helps them out but I just thought it was so good the arc of it was really well done and like there are parts of it that have Spanish in it but like the English Mm -hmm. translation underneath I loved the illustrations I feel like anyone who likes like Jerry Craft the class act and new Mm -hmm. new kid you would love this book um it was just really fun and I kind of hope they have a sequel because the kids they start to group together a little bit within the group But it was just really well done. I liked it a lot.
0: Oh, that sounds really good. Sometimes I like a graphic novel because you can read them so quickly. And they never cease to astonish me because of how much work goes in. Like, it is amazing how much work work goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. My next one is the book I read an excerpt from at the top of the episode. It's The Many Daughters of A. Fong Moy. This is by Jamie Ford. It released this week. This is one of my favorite books of 2022. I keep saying that Hunter and I did a podcast episode a few weeks ago that was like our best book so far. And I think I'm going to have a hard time. I think I've read a lot of like three and a half-ish star books this year. And I've read a lot of five-star books, like books that I have really enjoyed. This is one of them. It is a little bit outside my genre in that it is At its heart, historical fiction, but it opens in the modern era. In fact, there are elements of the book that even are a little farther into the future. But basically, the premise of this book is that perhaps just like we can inherit traits from our ancestors, like physical traits, we may also inherit trauma. And I love books with author's notes. I love reading more about the author's inspiration. Author's books are often at the back of the book, which I think is fine and often a really fun thing to read after you've finished. This author's note is at the front of the book and it immediately set the tone for what what I was about to read. So basically, Jamie Ford was talking about running into his son. like His son was in his bedroom and Jamie walked past the door and he heard his son, I believe, listening to some music or something. And Jamie Ford was like, he was listening to one of my favorite songs that I had loved at his age, but we had never talked about it. Like we had never talked about that. I loved that music artist, that I loved that song. And it occurred to me, maybe he has inherited my taste in music, but I didn't no, he could inherit that. So then Jamie Ford started doing some research into, can we inherit other things? Like not just physical traits, but can we also inherit character traits? Or can we inherit our family's trauma and our ancestors' trauma? So that's how this book was born. A Fong Moy is a real person. She was the first Chinese woman to set foot in America. And this book really starts with a woman named Dorothy. And Dorothy goes through some therapy and uncovers some traumas from her ancestors. And so we, as the reader, get lots of flashback points through different eras in American history and different eras in the Moy family's history. Dorothy is one of the ancestors of A. Fong Moy. This book is stunning. The writing is beautiful. The story is original, like you said earlier about a book you'd read. I have never read anything like this. Um, Maybe kind of sort of Homegoing by Yad Jesse is kind of similar in what it's dealing with. I loved looking. It goes back and forth. I was never confused, but it goes back and forth amongst all these different daughters of A. Fong Moy and all these different time periods and somehow is all woven together really beautifully. It all makes a lot of sense. I was never confused as a reader with where Jamie Ford was taking me. This is fabulous. It's a mixture of historical and family fiction. Jamie Ford's book, Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, is a book that was super popular when I very first took over the bookshelf. Like, I remember a lot of local readers had read that book. I have not read that, but it was popular in our area. And I suspect this one will be too. This would be a great book for book clubs. I can already name you customers who I could hand sell this to. Like, Suzanne Alexander will love this book. Like, I just know there are so many people I think who will really like this one because it also then begs. Further questions and makes you kind of examine your own past and and what your ancestors may have passed on to you. Anyway, super interesting out this week. Really loved it. The Many Daughters of A Fong Moy by Jamie Ford.
1: Okay, on a very different note, <laughs> <laughs> my next book I haven't read it yet, but I'm taking it on vacation with me because I'm so excited. Okay. This is the Book Eaters by Sunyi Dean out this week, um, and this is about this like secret line of people who they devour, but like they eat books, but they retain the content from them. And so like if a spy novel is kind of like a, like a spicy little snack and like a romance is like almost like a dessert, like very sweet, always delicious. Women are raised on like fairy tales and like cautionary tales. Mm. And so in this family, you have this woman, Devon, And Devin just gave birth to a son, but her son doesn't have any interest in eating books. He wants to eat human minds instead. Um, I should note this is a horror slash threat. (laughs) In case you weren't aware, I have noted that earlier, but that's all right. Just I had to make you tune in for the whole thing. (laughs) You did that twist was really something. Um, I think this one's going to be one of those books where you're like, you go into it for one reason and you leave having a whole different vision of this book. So okay. I'm very excited. It it feels to me like if you liked um, woman eating yes, the literary vampire, no- vampire novel, I think this one would also be really good. I, yeah. think, I think it definitely has like a, a greater meaning behind everything that's that I'm about to find out when I read it. I'm very excited. I'm very excited.
0: That also sounds really original. And I yeah. can't wait to stumble upon you reenacting the whole plot to Esme <laughs> one day on the floor.
1: <laughs> because I feel so like... So then she ate this book. <laughs> right. Like, I just
0: feel like that will be so fun to overhear in conversation. <laughs> uh. My next one is, again, quite the departure. It's How to Fall Out of Love Madly by Jaina Cassell. Came out this week. I will be honest. I read this book months ago and for some reason already thought it was out. I don't know why I thought that. I feel like I've seen this cover already, but I was wrong. It comes out this week. And this is what I would call literary women's fiction. Almost a little bit... Uh, I think people are going to compare it a little bit to Sally Rooney. I can see that. It is kind of Sally Rooney-esque. But basically, it's three women told from their different perspectives. It's Joy, Annie, and Celine. I read this book, just to give you perspective, I read this book when the movie was filming in at the bookstore. Like, that's how oh. long ago I read this book. <laughs> that was so it. <laughs> it was so long ago. But what I do remember is immediately finishing it, and I was filled with rage. Not at the author... It's just the book is such an interesting look at women and the way we communicate and the ways we have been trained to think and act and even occasionally treat one another. It is, oh, it was infuriating in a good way. If you like Kate Bear's poetry, I actually think you'll really like this book. I retold many parts of the plot aloud to Jordan because I was just like, you're not going to believe this. But It's these three women. It's told from their different perspectives, but they're all kind of sort of related. So Annie and Joy, I believe, are roommates. Annie and Joy have a third male roommate who I think Annie falls in love with. One of them kind of falls in love with him and then realizes he has a girlfriend. His girlfriend is Celine. And so the way, because we're getting kind of the most intimate thoughts of these women You just get to kind of see what goes on in women's brains and why, like what we have read or what we have been trained to think or how we've been treated and how it all kind of affects us psychologically. It was really good. It just made me mad. And and that's nobody – that's not the author's fault. It's just just the fault of the world. (laughs) Um, But I did really like it, and I think it is really well written. That's why I say literary women's fiction because I do think the writing is really great. And again, you're going to probably get that Sally Rooney comparison, but I think the best comparison is if you like Kate Bear's poetry, I think you will like this book. So it's How to Fall Out of Love Madly by Jaina Cassell.
1: Yet again, on a very different note, <laughs> this is The Three Assassins by Katara Isaka. This is out next week, so August 9th. And I- I'm so excited about this book. I think Katara Asaka has quickly become one of those authors who's like, I will read anything you put out. Mm-hmm. I just, he's so good.
0: Did he write Bullet Train or am I making that up?
1: Yeah. Oh, and okay. This is technically like the prequel to Bullet oh, okay. Train. Okay. But I read the obviously I did not read them in that order. And I don't think you need to. I actually think it's better if you start with Bullet Train and then go to Three Assassins. Okay. Because Three Assassins is really like the, um, not the origin story, but like a deeper, a closer look at just one of the assassins that was like hinted at in Bullet Train. Also, Bullet Train the movie is coming out. Let's just all note the lack of Asian actors.
0: (laughs) I I do so many questions about that and then I have have not done my research but now I'm thinking it was already a film overseas and they've remade it
1: oh really okay Okay. I did not know that
0: well I don't know I feel like I heard that on a podcast as I I need to do my research but because you and I both because you had read the book and so I like was like what is going on here like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you yeah, i, I was very confused from you but now i can't i need to i'll figure it out and report back but i think it could okay. be like an american adaptation
1: that would make sense because bullet train and three assassins were previously published in japan like years ago okay. And okay this is the like english translation to it okay
0: oh interesting okay
1: yeah but what i really love about his novels is that it's You get that like classic spy novel feel, but there's always this element of comedy to it. Like (laughs) these people are just very odd um, in the best way possible. This one is all about this guy named Suzuki, who is just this regular, regular guy. Um, The only thing is that he is a widower and his wife was killed by this like gang of assassins and so he joins this gang as just like a side guy he just like runs people to them Uh but in order to like eventually get revenge for his wife and so he like he's in this tricky spot where like he just brought them the two people that he was supposed to deliver but now they realize that like why he's a part of the gang and so like in order to like test him they're like hey you have to go do this But then they watch, like, the head guy's son get pushed into a car. He passes away. But it's done by this assassin called the Pusher. He's known for, like, pushing people into oncoming traffic, but no one ever catches him. Okay. And so they send Suzuki, this regular guy, after this assassin called the Pusher. Okay. (laughs) Suzuki ends up, like, befriending his whole family. Like, (laughs) I am so good. I will give like there are definite trigger warnings in this book. <laughs> like, sure, sure. Uh, one murder, murder. Um, <laughs> but two, there is assassin called the Whale who um, does help people commit suicide. So okay. I will just throw that out there for anyone who has that trigger warning. But again, everything is just so well done. Suzuki ends up competing against like two other assassins to kill this guy that he's now befriended and doesn't know how to do the job. Okay. It was just so good. I love his work. He does such a great job of blending thrillers with comedic timing very well.
0: That sounds good. That that really does. I just saw The Gray Man in theaters, which The Gray Man is a spy, not it's a novel about assassins and I like a good I don't know, born supremacy. Like, I love all those movies. Um, and so I, but I've not tried really reading them except unless you count Blake Crouch. And so I think it'd be fun to kind of try reading some. Okay. Next up for me is Mika in Real Life. This is by Amiko Jean. She is a young adult author. She wrote Tokyo Ever After and Tokyo Dreaming. This is her first, my understanding is, this is her first novel for adults. Much like The Many Daughters of Fong Moy, I think this would be a great book club book. The main character is Mika Suzuki. And Mika is 35 years old, and she's kind of having a little bit of a crisis. Like her life didn't turn out like she thought it would. And we come to find out that she gave birth to a daughter when she was a teenager. And that daughter is Penny. And Penny has found, um, kind of despite maybe Mika trying to do her best to only keep up with her daughter through the adoptive parents. Penny has now found out that Mika is her do- uh, is her mother. And so Penny wants to come see Mika and the whole premise is that Mika's life doesn't look like she wants her daughter. She wants her daughter to see a different version of her life. And so she kind of get rallies her friends together and she's like how can I make my life look like I want it to look? In time for my daughter to come see me. And so she kind of puts on this charade a little bit of this life that really isn't her life. So, like, she stays in her friend's house, but claims it as her own kind of almost kind of slapstick kind of stuff. Um, But the friends in this book are really lovely. And then the book takes a much deeper turn um, because, of course, Mika can't keep up the charade forever. And so you get a lot more into Mika and Penny and their vulnerabilities and their relationship. It's also a really good look at transracial adoption and the, the fault lines sometimes in transracial adoptions and what can happen there. And I think it handles those things with a lot of care. And... That's why I say I think it would be good for book clubs um, because I think it would open up some conversations that maybe um, some of us as readers have not had before. I really liked this book a lot. I loved the cast of characters. Mika is a very believable, relatable protagonist, even though you're also kind of like pulling your hair out like, Mika, why are you <laughs> why are you behaving this way? Um, but you also kind of feel for her. It's a very fast read. I have a lot that I would love to talk about. This is why I think it'd be a good book club book because I have so many things, so many of the storylines that I'd like to unpack with a group of readers. So really liked it. I think, um, I think other readers will too. It's compulsively readable and really enjoyable. That's uh, Mika in Real Life by Amiko Jean out this week.
1: Okay, my next one is a picture book. This is All Our Neighbors by Alexandra Penfold and Suzanne Kaufman. And this is out, we are now at the end of August. This is out August 23rd. Okay. Who knows what's coming out in the middle?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those middle weeks, man. That's when you should publish a book. No competition.
1: (laughs) But these are the same authors and illustrators of All Are Welcome and Big Feelings. I think the bookshelf has definitely triumphed both those books very well. Yes. What's really fun about those books is when you open up the paper covers, there's always a poster on the inside. Yes. And this one has the same thing. There was already like a picture of it in the catalog. I was very excited for it. Huh. But this takes place on like, it looks like a, like a, almost like a block in New York city, but mm-hmm. you get to see like all these different neighbors and like how important every single person is to each community and how everyone helps each other and works together to create a neighborhood. It doesn't just happen on its own, hmm. but, and, and how important diversity is within that neighborhood too. It was so well done. The same illustration styles as the other two, which I really, really like. Um, I do too. So I am very excited about this book.
0: They're good read-alouds too, I
1: think. They are. There's generally like a rhyme scheme throughout them that you keep going. This one actually has like a couple lines that repeat throughout the book. So it almost felt like a melody while you are reading it. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. I really liked it. I'm very excited for this one. Oh, August
0: 23rd. One book that we, as a staff, are pretty excited about is Just Another Love Song. This is by romantic comedy writer Carrie Winfrey. It came out this week. It's a paperback original many, many of our customers and readers and listeners love Carrie Winfrey. We have championed her books for a while now, Waiting for Tom Hanks. She wrote some young adult novels before, so it's not like um, she was new to writing. But Waiting for Tom Hanks was the book I think I discovered her. And that was just a really fun rom-com that paid a lot of homage and tribute to some Nora Ephron um movies that I love, then not like the movies and very sincerely yours. And now she's got just another love song. She to me is a really reliable author. Like I know that I am going to like her. I know that she will be an easy hand sell. Locally, it is important. Um we sell a lot of a wide range of romance lit, but closed door rom-coms are important for us as a bookstore because we have a lot of customers who prefer closed door. And so that's one thing we also appreciate about Carrie Winfrey is if you are a closed door Rom com or romance reader, then I think you might really appreciate Carrie Winfrey's work. This one I am intrigued by. I've not read it yet. So I am looking forward to this, hoping to take it home this week. But just another love song. So the two main characters were like high school sweethearts kind of thing. And they were going to leave their small town in Ohio together. But instead, one of them kind of leaves and moves on, Hank, and then the main character winds up staying in her small town. She helps her parents with their bed and breakfast. She runs a greenhouse. All kind of lovely uh, things you would expect out of a romantic comedy. But the twist to me is that Carrie Winfrey and I are about the same age. And so I think that's one of the reasons I really like her is a lot of her points of reference I am super familiar with. And I follow Carrie Winfrey on Instagram. And so I know for a fact how much 90s country music influenced this book. And that is so different (laughs) from her other books. Like Yacht Rock played a big role in Waiting for Tom Hanks. I love Yacht Rock. Um, I also have a weird, weird, nostalgic love for 90s country music. And so I am so intrigued with how that is going to play into this book. But Hank, who has left town and lives in a, I think he lives in Boston, Massachusetts or something, lives in a much bigger city. He returns home and he's like an alt country singer or something like that. And so I am so intrigued, you know, obviously sparks will fly. Like he's going to come back home. Like, uh, you know, it's going to be a romantic comedy as we have come to expect out of Carrie Winfrey, but I am so intrigued by this slight departure (laughs) And how is '90s country music going to play a role in this book? Um, this is one of the fun parts I think about following an author on the internet. Is you kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at what goes into a novel and and what goes into their work. And um, apparently, Brooks and Dunn like played a significant role in just another love song and. I am very curious. So Just Another Love Song, a paperback original by Carrie Winfrey. Her backlist is great. If you have not read her before, I would encourage you. And I tell people to start with Waiting for Tom Hanks. You could probably start with Very Sincerely Yours if you wanted, or you could start with this one. But I really, I like the world she's created. I find it very comforting and cozy. And um, so do a couple of our staffers. So,
1: Is Brooks and Dunn an artist? It is. It is. Olivia, uh, have you ever heard (laughs) the
0: song uh, Boots, Scootin' Boogie?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> I used to watch this like sing-along show. <laughs> there was a whole dance to it that I would do.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's line dancing. I learned the line dance to Boots, Goon, boot, Boogie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. Couldn't do yeah. it now. I couldn't do it if nope. you paid me. Only if somebody did it in front of me and I could mimic the steps exactly.
1: Uh, also, I forgot to tell you, I got in my car after Walt was driving it and Yacht Rock was playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a perfect Just time of year for to it. to the tally of how you two were similar. <laughs> uh, it's so great. Okay. My next book is a middle grade fiction novel, which there are so many great middle grade novels coming out this year. Oh, lovely. It is a great year for those oh, readers. Oh, good. This is Three Strike Summer. It's out August 30th, and the author is Skylar Shrimp. Shrimp? <laughs> Sorry. In my <laughs> head, the anti- I know you're saying it, too. Detlef <laughs> Shrimp. <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> That's all I said the whole time. I was like, the author has a great last name.
0: <laughs> the author is Death Love Shrimp. Skylar
1: Love <laughs> <Tetlef> Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Skylar. I hope you watch Parks and Rec. (laughs) I hope you do too. Otherwise, it just sounds like we're being mean. We're not. We're not. It's a great name, truly. It is. Okay. This is set in the Dust Bowl, which I just thought was such a unique setting. I haven't read a middle grade novel set in the Dust Bowl before. I know there are some Mm -hmm. out there. I just haven't particularly read it. But I would put this one up there with like Echo Mountain. I think this is a great comp title to that where you have this like, star protagonist Gloria who is very like set in her ways so Gloria is the youngest child and they live in Oklahoma but the family is going bankrupt so they have to drive out to California in order to find um, work to do Hmm. so (laughs) Gloria is very upset about this she wants to stay at her family home and when the debt collector comes to like evict them, she is like a hundred yards away by like a Creek in the backyard. And, One thing you should know about Gloria is she loves baseball and she has a really good arm. And she chucks a rock (laughs) from the river and it hits the back window and like cracks it of the debt collector. And he's like looking around for her, like about to like make this family pay for the window that they can't afford. And so the family just like hops in the truck and they're just like, nope, this is all of us. And they drive down the road, but apparently this has happened before because she cuts through the forest and meets her family at the road. Funky, I love get it. In trouble, but that just like really sets the tone for Gloria. Yeah. So they drive out to California and they get this like room, board, and work situation at this corrupt peach farm where I think everyone gets paid like 16 cents an hour and mm-hmm. no one's allowed to unionize. Like it, it's not a great situation, but it's the only place that they could find. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gloria, who loves to play baseball, but no boys will ever let her on the team, finds a baseball team on the peach farm. She um, beats the pitcher in a competition, wins the spot as pitcher, and then takes the baseball team to like the biggest game of the year, facing off against the kids who run the ap- apricot apricot farm <laughs> next door.
0: Oh my gosh. I want to read this so badly.
1: You would love it. It's very sports adjacent, but also fun. I loved Gloria as a character. She was so great. So true to exactly who she was. Oh. But I just, I loved it so much. It was just so wholesome, but also had so many different parts to it that like, I was never bored at all. Not once. Okay. That one was great. Three strikes summer.
0: I want to read that. My next book also has summer in the title, Long Past Summer. This is by Noe Kerwin. It came out this week. It's a paperback original. It's a romance novel, but I think it deals a lot with friendship as well. So, this got a starred review in Publishers Weekly. It features Michaela as our main character. It got my attention because the cover is really striking, but Michaela lives, I believe, in New York City. She's like a high powered attorney. But she grew up in small-town Georgia. And so I was immediately kind of curious. Um, I brought home the ARC because I thought, oh, this will be interesting. So she grew up in small-town Georgia but, like, has made it big in New York as a lawyer. She's a high-powered attorney. And then she's, like, walking, I don't know, in Times Square or something one day, and she sees a billboard or an advertisement that's a photograph of her and her childhood friend, Julie, like a picture that was taken of them and it's now being used in an ad campaign. And this is news to Michaela and apparently it's news to Julie as well. Julie and Michaela are estranged, but Julie winds up suing the ad company because of this photo. And unbeknownst to Julie, Michaela is the attorney Defending or protecting or arguing for the ad company, and so that immediately I don't know i I do love some legal elements um that is Jordan's fault I also worked for the Florida bar for a period of time, so like I'm intrigued by that already. And then the photographer of the person who took the picture is Julie's ex-husband, who Michaela also maybe had a fling with or was in love with. So there's a, clearly a love triangle situation. But I will tell you that what I am most intrigued by is the relationship between Michaela and Julie. So I think it's not even really being billed fully as a romance. Like The cover features who I assume to be Michaela because I think the book is really going to be about her and her and potentially Julie's relationship just as much as it is about her and Cameron's relationship. So I'm very curious about this. It's a paperback original. It's out this week. It's called Long Past Summer by Noe Kerwin.
1: My next, sorry, you always have such good segues into your books. And then I'm just like, (laughs) well, the next one I want to talk about. He's like, I Mine didn't all this. Summer in the title. It's like, did you talk about quilts at all? My next one called Patchwork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, my next book is called Patchwork, <laughs> and it's by uh, Matt De La Pena, who wrote The Last Stop on Market Street.
0: Yes, I knew I recognized that name.
1: Yes. First off, the illustrations in this book are gorgeous. They look like almost all watercolor and maybe like pen in there. It's gorgeous. And this is essentially about like how kids are all so different. And a lot of times I think when they're young, they get praised for like this one hobby that they have or this one thing that they really like. And then it starts to like stick with them, but they forget that you can grow out of that and grow into something else. And that's okay. You have different aspects to you. So like it goes through all these different kids. Um, Like one of them is this little girl who like loves ballet. And so Mm -hmm. everyone knows her as this ballerina, always dancing. But what they don't realize is that she also gets into coding and she ends up as like a coder Mm -hmm. for her job. And then there's this boy who loves basketball. But what people maybe don't realize about him is that he also loves writing poetry. Mm -hmm. And like there's this class clown who just loves giving the teacher trouble and making everybody laugh, but the class clown grows up to be a teacher who now knows how to appreciate the class clown in their own classroom. It just had all these beautiful revelations in these, kids, in these children's lives. And I just thought it was so well done. Like if you're a crier, you might. I'm just going to throw it out
0: there. It does sound lovely. It almost sounds like um, one of those children's books that you could almost sell as, like, a graduation gift. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just yes. sounds – what an yeah. important lesson for adults, too. Like, you don't yeah. have to be who you always thought you were going to be. Oh, right. And that's already. totally okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It was beautiful. I will not name names, but the class clown in my class wound up being a member of the Peace Corps, I believe. And so it's just important to like, yeah, like it's fascinating. It's, I don't know. Good for you, Matt de la Pena. I appreciate this. Okay, my next one, my last one is Carrie Soto is Back. This is by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Shout out to Olivia for reminding me that this (laughs) release is in August. Because, again, the Labor Day of it all, it just seems like a big title. And normally these big titles come out at the beginning of the month. And when I didn't see it on August 2nd, I didn't think about it. Anyway, it comes out on August 30th. Here's the truth, everyone. I think a lot of people are worried because Taylor Jenkins Reid puts out books a lot, like one or so a year. And we have a lot of high expectations of her now, I think, ever since Daisy Jones and the Six. The good news is she wrote a lot of books before Daisy Jones and the Six. And they're all good, everybody. So the good news is you don't have to worry. Carrie Soto is back, is wonderful. It's a five-star book for me. Will be, I think, in my top 10 of the year, depending on what some other of the other books are. I love sports-adjacent books. We know this. This is a book about a tennis star, Carrie Soto. She makes a brief appearance in Malibu Rising. And this is one of the things I do love about Taylor Jenkins Reid. I'm not huge into picking up on... What do they call them? They don't call them cookies. What do they call Cameos? them? Cameos? No what do you call it? Like a Marvel universe? Oh my gosh. Like in the Marvel universe, there's a lot of donuts. What is it? It's, I feel like it's a dessert.
1: Oh, cupcake? Okay. No,
0: no. It's a lot of, Oh
1: shoot. Wait, but I know what you're talking about. Cause right. I know it's not
0: cookies. It's not cookies. That's the internet. Uh, a lot of, Oh, Handies. um, wait a minute. Popcorns. Marvel universe. Uh, there's like secret thi- What do they call that? Oh, no. What? That's going to drive me crazy. Oh, can you Google? Okay. Yeah. All right. So basically, Taylor Jenkins Reid just leaves a lot of hints and like, you know, things that you can pick up on, which I am not always great at. But Carrie Soto does make a brief appearance in Malibu Rising. So she is a tennis star. We open um, when she is watching the U.S. Open. She's in retirement, and she watches someone, a young tennis star, about to basically outdo her personal record and her record that she's held for some time. And so Carrie Soto decides to come out of retirement. What is it?
1: Easter eggs. Easter eggs. (laughs) (laughs) You want to know how I got there? I Googled Marvel (laughs) Universe secret tidbits. (laughs) dying cookies cookies donuts, <laughs> Easter, easter egg eggs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh easter eggs taylor jenkins reed is so good with easter eggs and you know who's good at picking up on them is keela keela mm-hmm. picks up on an easter egg i think because keela naturally has like fandom brain mm-hmm. and and i don't really so it takes me a minute to pick up on easter eggs and that's just not what i'm naturally drawn toward but if you like the Marvel Universe and their Easter eggs, <laughs> you will like Taylor Jenkins Reid's Easter eggs. <laughs> oh, anyway, I'm so sorry. I digress, obviously. Um, but I did have a couple of readers ask me, okay, this book is a lot about tennis. I don't like sports. I don't like tennis. Will that matter? I do not think that it will matter. I like sports-adjacent books, but I knew next to nothing about tennis. Taylor Jenkins Reid made me care about Tennis, which I think this is what Taylor Jing is really good at, right? Like Malibu Rising is about surfing, but it's not really about surfing. It's about other things. Daisy Jones and the Six is about rock music, but it's not really just about rock music. Like, so if you, to me, Daisy Jones and the Six is to rock music as Carrie Soto is back is to tennis. So I think she gives you exactly what you need to care about tennis and to care about tennis as it relates to Carrie Soto, our main character. So the book spans across different tournaments and different games and matches that she plays. The sports writing is excellent. It's almost irritating to me that somehow Taylor Jenkins Reid, who also was really good early in her career about writing kind of really convincing women's fiction, almost romance adjacent kind of books, is also good at sports writing. It's it's infuriating in a good way. Congratulations to Taylor Jenkins Reid for being good at everything.
1: I'm uh, so happy for you. <laughs> so happy.
0: <laughs> um, but. I think I started this year by watching King Richard, which is the Will Smith movie about uh, the Williams sisters. And I really loved that movie. And so if you liked King Richard, I think you will really love this book. I finished it and asked Jordan, should I care about tennis? Like, I feel like I should start watching tennis. This book is fabulous. Carrie Soto, I think, might be my favorite Taylor Jenkins Reid protagonist. She is not entirely likable, which I love. She's competitive and ambitious and cutthroat, and I love it. Um, so that is Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid featuring Easter eggs.
1: <laughs> but not Easter eggs from the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: That's right. Different Easter eggs, everybody. <laughs> different, different Easter eggs.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of a prolific author my next book. i <laughs> was going my <laughs> Good job. Okay. But honestly, um, <laughs> this next middle grade fiction book is Midnight Children by Dan Geminhart. This is out August 30th. I love this author. He wrote The Remarkable Journey of Coyote's Sunrise, which you oh. probably heard me talk about a lot a couple of years ago when it came out. Yes. Because I was a sobbing mess at the end of that book in the <laughs> best way possible. <laughs> yes. And so when I saw he had another one coming out, I was just so excited. He is such a great author. He has such a unique way of wording things and looking at situations or, or like inviting you into the scene. He does such a great job of that. And I sat down very quickly last night and read the first two chapters of this before going to my nephew's birthday party. So (laughs) um, this is about a young boy named Ravani. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right because there is a kid in the book who makes fun of him and calls him Ravioli. And I feel like Ravani and Ravioli. yeah but this little boy he lives on this road like kind of on the outskirts of his town like you meet him and it feels like you're watching like a movie go down because you're like swooping into this town like going over a bridge and then you find Ravanis road and it's just his home where him his mother and father live and then a house across the street that's been abandoned for years Mm -hmm. and the very first scene, he wakes up in the middle of the night. He doesn't know why, but then he realizes, like, he hears this car driving down his road. He goes out to this window, and he sees this car drop off these seven children. And they all, like, rush into the house. But the one little girl looks back and catches him in mm-hmm. the window and just, like, motions to, like, her finger to her lips, like, be quiet. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. So he's he goes back to bed, and then he wakes up, and he's like, was that a dream? And then slowly, I haven't gotten to this part, but I'm very excited to. He starts to befriend them more and more and figuring out like the secrets of why they're there, why there's no really adult with them at all. And he realizes that they're kind of in trouble from something. And he starts to befriend one of them named Virginia and really help them out. Dan does such a good job at not only setting the scene, but creating these characters that you just fall in love with and you just mm-hmm. want to be with them every step of the way. That was how I felt mm-hmm. about Coyote when I read The Remarkable Journey. Yeah. And I already love Ravani so much. <laughs> and I'm at chapter three. <laughs> right. You're only two chapters in. <laughs> yeah. He's I would put him along the lines of like a Catherine Applegate or like a Kate Camillo, mm-hmm. where you have these like adventurous stories, but with like so much heart involved mm-hmm. in them. So I am very excited about that book.
0: You're right. A lot of good middle grade.
1: So much good middle grade.
0: You know, they earned it. They really did. Middle grade folks have had a rough couple of years. I just think about how the pandemic affected school. So they've earned having some really lovely books to escape into. Okay. Don't forget, these titles are all on our new website. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com. There's a whole section for Books featured on From the Front Porch. And then, if you do purchase or pre order any of the books we talked about today, you can enter New Release Please at checkout, and that gets you 10% off your order. So, just go to bookshelftomosville.com. New releases are listed on the homepage, and then they're also in the podcast From the Front Porch Picks section. And you can buy to your heart's content and then enter New Release Please at checkout to get 10% off. There are a lot of good books this month. So, happy shopping. Thank you, Olivia. This week, I'm listening to Upgrade by Blake Crouch. Olivia, what are you reading this week? I am reading The Midnight Children by Dan Geminhardt. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Angie Erickson, Cammy Tidwell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins,
1: Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker,
0: Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Or, if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support—Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors— each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.